Welcome to the podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Katie. And this is... One Kiss Means Forever! This is the podcast where you try to reach for your dreams, but you might be too scared to go for it, but then you might also be a dick to the person who's actually successful. Um, This is our podcast talking about your favorite made-for-TV romances, the kinds that you find on uh, Lifetime, Netflix, blah, 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 and Hallmark. Woohoo! So we are going with our uh, gold standard, reliable standby hallmark this this time. Yes. And we're going to be talking about a movie that originally aired on January 19th, 2019. So lots of ones and nines in that date. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm a weird person sometimes. Literally, I had the same thought, so I appreciate <laughs> you and I see Thank you. you. <laughs> Uh, So we're going to be talking about Winter Love Story. Uh, And this is Hallmark's little blurb. When new author Cassie Winslet's first novel isn't selling, I have a lot of problems with that statement, she is paired on a book tour with the best-selling author Elliot Summersby to boost Cassie's sales and her confidence. But along the way, a romance starts to blossom. And it stars Jen Lilly, Kevin McGarry, and Mary Margaret Humes. I feel like this one came out like when we when you and I started kind of watching things together. I think so, that's true. So it has a special little nostalgia place in my heart. Yeah. I I, I understand that. Yeah. So I'm happy we're finally getting around to this one. Let us dive into or drive into uh, what this one is about. Jen Lilly plays Cassie Winslet, a writer who has just come out with her first book. It is a memoir about her journey getting over a breakup. And while she's proud of it, she is not great at readings and interviews and, you know, all the other crappy stuff about being a writer that doesn't involve writing. Um, So she doesn't want to do any of this promotion stuff for it. On top of that, her mother is a famous author, and uh, she doesn't want to be a Nepo baby and be compared to her mother or get ahead because of the connection. I have so much to say already. (laughs) (laughs) Cassie's publisher sets up a book signing in her hometown of Princeton, New Jersey, along with another more established writer, Elliot Summersby, played by Kevin McCreary. He writes epic fantasy novels. Uh, he's, he's working on the series that really gave me Pit, uh, Pit Dragon by Jane Yolen vibes, but I'm not sure everybody, <laughs> actually, I'm not sure anybody has read those but me. Uh, <laughs> I'm familiar with Jane Yolen, just not that series. <laughs> oh, my like little 13 year old dragon romance heart i love you you know uh but you know like it it, it's sort of like i don't know maybe like aragon is another yeah thing that this kind of fits in with um so cassie assumes that they are trashy books um but he brings in the crowds because people are obsessed and his friendly demeanor gets Cassie's mother to start his book. And while not her usual type of story, she becomes engrossed. 
The next day, Cassie is asked to come to New York to meet with her publishers. They are going to force her on tour with Elliot in order to get her book more publicity. If the book doesn't sell, they're going to have to drop her as an author. Oh, no. Cassie is not sure what to do. um, And Elliot comes all the way to Princeton to convince her to go on the tour with him. He's the one that requested her as a tour companion, after all. Very nice of you, Mr. Elliot. Um, And that night, they agree on a week-long tour to four cities, and their banter excites their publicists. So this tour is going to be done driving as Elliot is taking his dog, Bungie. The publicists will fly, but the authors will drive together. This tour is insanity. (laughs) Their first stop is a TV interview in New York City, which does mean that I guess Elliot had to come down from New York where he was to get Cassie in Princeton and then drive back. Mm. Um, I have a lot of problems with the travel logistics of this movie. We'll get there. I can't wait. (laughs) Uh, So Cassie feels ambushed and it doesn't go great, especially when Cassie is asked about her mother, who she didn't want to discuss. But Elliot is still supported and off they go to Boston. Chat, chat to Boston. Um, With all the time together in the car, Elliot and Cassie have time for some real heart-to-hearts, you know, like you do on road trips. Cassie tells him about her fear of public speaking and how her mother's fame and her father's death affected her. He tells her about his divorce and his writer's block. He also lets her know that he's done her the courtesy of reading her book, something that she has not reciprocated, and he loves it. He's read it twice. <laughs> Far off places, daring sword fights, magic, magic spells. spells. <laughs> because of Bungie, they are set up to stay in a little B&B in or around Boston. It certainly doesn't look like Boston to me, so I'm going with around. Boston, Canada. <laughs> Cassie is given a standard B&B room, but Elliot is given a room like you might expect to see in a castle with a fireplace and a couch and is probably as large as my whole apartment. (laughs) Cassie, being a bit of a snob, points this out and Elliot generously switches with her via rigged coin toss and she lets him do this. mm, mm. Okay. (laughs) That night when she can't sleep, Cassie finally starts reading Elliot's book or or one of them though mm, okay we'll get to it (laughs) patience dear listeners I know Um, there's so much there's so much to get into so Cassie's first reading does not go great as she is without any real emotion and basically stops after one sentence but she also gets her first Times, like we assume New York Times, uh, her first Times review of her book, and it's glowing. So, in the car on the way to Albany, Elliot decides to help Cassie out with her public speaking fears. Together, they work on the idea that she's reading in front of people who want her to succeed, not her adversaries. The second reading goes well, even if it's only a few sentences this time. (laughs) And then they're shuffling off to Buffalo. 
But first, Elliot decides to surprise Cassie with a snowshoeing adventure since she didn't take any winter adventures according to her book. This gets them on the road late, which means that when a snowstorm hits, they're not yet at their destination of, you know, Buffalo. Deciding it's best to stop for the night, they get the last available cabin wherever they are. That night, sharing a two-bedroom cabin, Elliot and Cassie are all nice and cozy, and they even have a hot chocolate off. You know, like a bake-off, but with hot chocolate. They are flirty, and it looks like they might be catching feelings. Uh, But the next morning, Cassie finds Elliot on the phone with his ex, Allie. Um, And even though Cassie knows that Elliot has been planning to meet up with Allie in Buffalo in order to give Allie and Bungie some time together, she is jealous and hurt. Trying not to show it, they head back out and make it to Buffalo without incident. Thank goodness. The Buffalo stop includes a reading and signing, a radio interview, and a talk at a college. All go very well, especially since Elliot and Cassie can't seem to stop praising each other's books. Even Cassie's publicist is noticing the vibes between the two. Um, Elliot's publicist is a man, so he's not picking up on the signals. They spend one last night hanging out, and then Elliot goes to spend some time with Allie, and Cassie heads home, sure she is never going to hear from him again. Surely the connection was really only over the road trip. He's done with me now. (laughs) One-sided. So back in Princeton, Cassie's best friend, Becca, realizes immediately that Cassie has fallen in love with Elliot. But Cassie is sure that Elliot and Allie are getting back together. Cassie is invited by her publicist to an award ceremony that is in honor of Elliot and decides that that means maybe Elliot does love her back. So she arrives looking beautiful, but ends up leaving mid-Elliot's speech when he thanks Allie, assuming that Cassie was wrong about her feelings about Elliot catching feelings, and now he's back with Allie, even though Allie is very clearly not at the award ceremony, but she is. <sighs> Elliot tries to follow, but is unable to catch her. Reminder, it was a, an award ceremony to celebrate him, and he has to go run after her. <laughs> Cassie is depressed, but her mother tells her how brave she is, and finally, Cassie believes her. It even allows her to start writing fiction, something she was shying away from because she wanted to do something different from her mother. She starts work on her second book, a fictional account of her road trip book tour. Write what you know, you know? Uh, So Cassie, now comfortable with public speaking, does a redo of her very first book signing in Princeton. Elliot shows up in the crowd. He asks a question, horse and hound style, and pushes to the front of the room, which leads to him giving her the rest of the speech from the awards that she missed um, because she walked out in a huff and confessing that he fell in love with her. Since they're now in love, They kiss, and since one kiss kiss means forever, (laughs) all their future book tours will be longer and more like couples' vacations than work. Though, what on earth is Elliot going to write after the last dragon book? (laughs) Vampires? (laughs) Zombies? Okay, so first of all, 
I, I'm just going to start with the Hallmark synopsis of this movie. Okay. Her book is not selling because they're not promoting it. Right. <laughs> like there, there was a line that okay, makes me so mad is because they're like, okay, your book isn't selling and reviewers don't really want to touch it because it's not doing well. Don't reviewers get advanced copies of this shit so they can yes, like, they do. you know, like, so what is, this is backwards. <laughs> what? <laughs> right. The review should be coming out on the day of the book launch. Yeah. Also, I assume somebody had to blurb these books. Right. So that, that was one. Um, this one major, major plot point that I cannot get past is the idea that Cassie's eat, pray, love and Elliot's Aragon would have the same readership. And so a tour together would make any logical sense. (laughs) The only way that I feel like it would make sense is that women in our demographic or younger really do consume fantasy in a very big way. And they would also find interest in this memoir about, you know, and I think, I think the demographic might be similar. I think there are overlaps. Right. But I don't think it's one-to-one by any means. No. And the fact that there are different types of book, different genres, and there's only the two of them, I could maybe understand if there was like four or five writers all together sure. and there were a panel moving around. But paired, nah. Yeah. No, it makes – it does not make any logical sense to me that these two people – like, that they would be even attempting to really get the same audience. Because yeah. even even though there – I would think that there is an overlap to some extent, I would not think that, that it's the kind of overlap that people want to think about. And I don't even mean that negatively. I mean, mm-hmm. like, in a, like, that's just, like, a different mood. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear that. Um, Like so pairing that Pride and Prejudice with a Marvel movie. You know, yeah, there's like, a lot like, of overlap, but not obviously. And And also, like, if I'm wanting Pride and Prejudice at that moment, I don't want the Marvel movie at that moment. Yeah. Those are not. They are a, a bit mutually exclusive in that way. True. Um, so there's that. <sighs> I would like to talk about the the logistics of this movie. Because <laughs> it really bothered me. <laughs> okay. So to go from Princeton to New York is a couple hours by train or car. Yeah. So there's one day where she goes to New York back. He comes to Princeton, back to New York, and then she goes back to New York, which is an insane. That's six hours or actually more like eight hours of travel for her and four for him. Like that's really that far. Yeah, kind of is. Oh, wow. Like, maybe it's an hour and a half. I think I've only got once, so I can't remember. I mean, like, it's not, like, distance far, really, but, you know, with traffic and it's Jersey and getting out of the city, like, absolutely. 
Um, and then for him to come down to pick her up was banana pants to me. <laughs> um, for them to go back to New York City to have an ambush television interview. Like, nobody told her about it. Like, what the f- what the hell was that? And the fact that they – okay, so what we're referring to is, like, the person on TV mentions uh, Jen Lilly, Cassie's mother. And she's, like, kind of like, uh, 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 yeah, sure, whatever. The thing is, the scene before, they had a whole conversation about what to put in your writer of, like, what – or the, the things yeah. that you want or ask for. Wouldn't, like, the thing that you ask for is don't mention my mother. That's right, a simple you, ask. The, right. It should be like my mother's off the table. That's that's pretty yeah. that's a pretty common interview thing to be like, I'm here to discuss this, and that's what you can ask me questions on. You're absolutely right. Like, like that when you do these things, it's these are the things I'm here to talk about. Thou shalt not talk about my court date or my illicit love affair. Right. But even so, like, okay, let's pretend that she didn't have any of that like she has a publicist who did not tell her in advance that she was going to be on television that it, she was going to be interviewed live that this woman even knew about her you know like mm-hmm. n- nothing mm-hmm. it's like what is, what is the publicist doing she's on her phone the whole time and i'm just convinced that she's playing like candy crush or something <laughs> i mean she's texting becca we know that i know that's cute um, but so that that drove me insane. And then they decide to drive from New York to Boston. I mean, the, the route is not as bad as it could have been because at first I thought they were going to Albany and then Boston. And then I was going to lose my shit. But like they do have like a solid five hours of driving in between each leg. Like it's not close. I'm envisioning I'm envisioning the little like map like Emperor's New Groove style with like the little uh <laughs> red, red triangles denoting like their little route <laughs> and then it yeah. just pops off the map. <laughs> well, like the idea that that they would stop to go snowshoeing, it's like no, you know there's a snowstorm coming and you have a 5-hour drive ahead of you. Yeah, that was just really uh dumb <laughs> it was irresponsible it was is what irresponsible. that was yeah. there had been a storm a coming for several commercial breaks and yet <laughs> they're like eh it's okay we'll find a cabin on the way a cabin that she doesn't even get to enjoy because girlfriend fell asleep on the couch and I he know, just was- put a blanket on her i'd be like I want to sleep in the lush bed that's got to be in this cabin somewhere. <laughs> well, th- this cabin had fixings to make, uh, like, stovetop hot chocolate. So and multiple varieties of <laughs> stovetop hot chocolate. Oh, my gosh. No yeah. Swiss Miss here. <laughs> and real marshmallows. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And and the fact, I mean, it was like cayenne pepper. It was like, no, your cabin does not just have cayenne pepper. There's a lot. My major, major what the fuck moment, what the fuck about this movie is her attitude toward him from the beginning Uh and then towards the end. And because 
okay, her mom is a famous author, whatever, but she has so many lines that it are self-deprecating. She has self-esteem issues. She's not really sure, which is, to me, it sounds a little bit weird because she's also this person who did a lot of really amazing, daring things over this heartbreak year, which is what her book is about. And yet she's kind of introverted and whatever. Oh, I don't like to do this stuff, whatever. doesn't really feel like that goes together. Fine. Well, well, it, it kind of feels like did, she didn't learn anything. Thank you. That is exactly what I'm feeling and didn't connect in my brain. Thank yeah. you. So within like the same breath, she's like, oh, you know, having imposter syndrome, like talking to her publicist basically about having imposter syndrome, who's going to who's going to do, you know, who's here for my book, whatever. And then Elliot Summersby comes in and she behaves like she is hot shit compared to him like ooh the dragon rider meow 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 who has all of these like fans for him whatever and she acts like the freaking queen of sheba and has the most unwarranted antagonism i think i've ever really it pissed me off like a this is a person who is in your industry b he is successful c you don't write the same genre so there's literally no competition and he is a man so you must love him so like all of those things but it just made me so mad because like it didn't ring true for any character to in the same breath say i don't know if i'm worthy and but i'm better than you right you know it sucks especially when multiple people around her tell her that it's a well-written book yeah including her princeton professor professional writer awarded mother you right. know right she's a snob and she's yeah shitty like I'm, I'm sorry. It, it, it's really hard for me to get past her being like, I was given a a standard hotel room, and I you, know. you, the famous writer who is adored by the owner, was given the living room as bedroom thing. And the word she uses is your room also the size of a postage stamp. I Girl, thought her room was super cute. Same. Took the words right out of my mouth. It, it was a perfectly legitimately sized room. You are a snob. Yeah. And then she lets him switch with her so that she can have the big room all to herself. And all and and she also keeps all the like goodies left for him. Mm-hmm. So he and the dog go into the smaller room. <laughs> no, I hate so, the fact that that happened. So the dog doesn't have anywhere to, like, walk around. Like, of all the things, it's like, well, it's nice to give the dog the bigger room so the dog can get some energy out. Absolutely. And there's a line that she says where she goes, the the host brought up a lot of food that I obviously was meant for you. You know, more self-deprecating, like, backhanded compliment. But she brings out two identical plates so it is obvious that it was meant for both of them and not just him because he's not going to eat two meatloaf dinners <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, she drives me crazy I know also she does she start with book two okay she does because that's the book that they're on the tour about yeah so it's book two and so they're talking about him like he's already written like the first five books because they say like, oh, you've not read them. It's not like, oh, you didn't read that book. Okay. I remember how big Aragon was when it came out. I like, you know, whatever. But that's not how they're talking about him. It's they're, almost they're as if he's written like four other novels in this series. They're talking about it like he's 
written Game of Thrones. Exactly. And they're and the, <laughs> this is the sixth book that's coming yeah. out, guys. Like, no, yeah. it's not. But he's and and the thing is, he's announced that it's a trilogy, and it's only a trilogy, and it's only ever gonna be a trilogy. Yeah. So he's written two of the books. He has writer's block for the third, which I find very confusing if he like already knew it was going to be a trilogy you would think he had like an outline yeah um no general idea of where the story was going although christopher paolini did sneak us as a fourth it was supposed to be a trilogy aragon (laughs) but then it wasn't i haven't read the whole thing still I, i haven't either but you know that means that like he had an outline originally that ended up changing i guess or something but like it's not so that that's less of a writer's block problem (laughs) fair it's an editing problem but just kidding um but like the book world is so strange in this movie because she like at some point he says something along the lines of like or she no she she rescues him in an interview when she's like I'm not thinking about the third book in the trilogy. I'm I just want to go reread them again. Who's with me? And says I was like, no one ever. <laughs> exactly. My note says there's no person in the world who is not thinking about a final book in a trilogy that they love. <laughs> that is not out yet. It's not a thing. Like nope. you, you maybe maybe you have patience, but you you also do want that book. Mm-hmm. I mean. Let's talk to all the Game of Thrones fans who are ready to kill George R. R. Martin. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh, man. So that part's weird. I don't understand what her publicist does because I think her friend Becca runs her website. I don't think her publicist does. (laughs) I have a note saying I hope she's paying Becca for being such a good assistant because Becca takes all these pictures. She runs like the fan pages and technically Becca is her boss because it's her coffee shop that she's working in. Becca is a small business owner. She's got other shit to deal with. She's amazing. (laughs) Like, Cheers for Becca. Um, but then the other thing is on her website at the very end, her first chapter of her new book is on the website. Yeah. Okay. Hannah, <laughs> tell me about what is time? How it is time work? How much time has elapsed since she ran out on the middle of his speech and when he horse and hounds her book signing? Because it sounds like she ha- she's had enough time to write this freaking novel. Or some of it. Anyway. I am going to posit that the entire movie, start to finish, is no more than a month. Oh my gosh! I mean, that would make sense because the way they're talking to each other at the end of the movie, it's like that last weekend when you walked out on my speech. But I've right. got a full chapter of a novel. That- I mean, she did like, you know, she did hunker down and just like maybe write in her zone, which maybe she got a lot done. Fine, but does she know what's happening in the book? What if this ends up not being the first chapter? You know, like, I feel like you have to write the whole thing and then have somebody read it and do some editing and rewrites before you have any idea, like. Obviously, time doesn't I mean, I, matter. I'm not a writer. I, I don't write books. But I still think you need to write. But like, the idea that you would put a, a chapter on your website that early is just crazy to me i wish it had occurred to me to ask my former roommate who's in publishing about this move to watch she would have to (laughs) (laughs) 
to be like, guys, let me tell you. <laughs> this is not how this works. <sighs> All right. So should we get into some Hallmark Hallmarks? Just so. <laughs> um, they are forced to work together. Overshadowed by a parent's achievements. Uh, a successful person is looked down upon by the unsuccessful person who feels their art is more worthy. Yes. Thank you. Um, yeah. And and unwarranted antagonism, which you already said, yeah, but it's there. Right. Yeah. Um, overhearing something negative about oneself that was supposed to be whispered. <laughs> <laughs> love you. Um, friend says, there is a man, so you must love him, right? I I also did a slash. A man is cute, so I want you together. <laughs> yes, that's fair. Road trip. Um, doesn't want to be a nepotism baby, but also wants the success of a nepo baby, and doesn't want to be in mom's shadow, which we've already talked about. But you know, fair it enough. should go here. I'm really happy that nepo baby was coined in time for this episode. <laughs> Um, uh, there's a storm a coming. Uh, dad is dead and life is hard. <laughs> this is a winter movie, so we do have some snow angels. Hmm. Uh, we've got a you've got a little something right here moment. Sure do. Um, walking out before you hear the whole story, which happens to be a very public speech in front of everyone. I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have not staying to hear the whole speech, so misses the important part. <laughs> um, we have hot chocolate as well. Oh, yeah, that's true. With marshmallows. And this is the third time I'm going to mention it this episode. We have a horse and hound moment. I called it declaration in public. And in parentheses, I wrote vomit. And that's for vomit. me. <laughs> Speaking of his speech, though, I hate that he says the, the end of his speech for her, he brings out his note card that has his speech written and then never looks at it because he's got it memorized. <laughs> so dumb. I'm sorry. Okay. Pretty brain. So I do have a coat count. Thank you. Uh, I actually didn't write down the number. I just wrote down all the colors. So hold on. <laughs> so I, I spotted six different coats in this movie i do believe she only brought four of them on the road trip <laughs> it wasn't until she entered for her like you're back from your part like you know they threw her a surprise party or something and it wasn't until i saw that coat i was like oh crap how many coats did you bring on this little road trip with her um so i really am glad that you did it but if you notice in that surprise party she gets a drink and makes a speech and never once does she take off that coat. <laughs> uh, I have a note of that as well. Yay. I said, let her take her coat off before she has to make a toast. <laughs> I appreciate you. Um, I did have an anti. Cool. I hate, 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 hate the dress she wears to the awards. Really? Yes. And I'll tell you why. Okay. I think the color is too close to her skin tone mm. and she, it washes her out and like not that I think she looks naked because she doesn't look naked but it's just not it, it's wrong mm -hmm. I don't think the cut is bad or anything like that but it should be a 
jewel tone and not this like tan blush color that it is. That's fair. I think it appeared a little bit more pinky on my screen or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think the only reason it might've worked is because of my pretty parade. And I love her hair color in this movie. I love the Auburn brunette Jen Lily better than any sort of blonde Jen Lily. It looks a lot better on her. Her hair is a little bit of a monster of its own. Like sometimes it was so big. I thought it was just going to like crawl off of her head and (laughs) it's like its own thing. But in like, I say that with love because I don't have any hair. Um, (sighs) I just like it, it, there's her hair is a character in this movie. <laughs> a lot of hair. That's the true. color is lovely. Yeah. Across the universe? Not really, unless you count horse and hound, but that doesn't really. Yeah. I mean, I just said the stupidest thing ever. I just thought it was funny that Elliot was writing a book about dragons. I love it. <laughs> yes. And for those who do not know the reference that is a reference to pete's dragon the disney movie (laughs) one of hannah's best halloween costumes ever (laughs) i do have an elliot the dragon halloween costume (laughs) oh that's perfect hannah i love it (laughs) new and noteworthy um i have a couple um, my first is that they are appropriately bundled and dressed for the cold because it is obviously filmed in winter. Um, that would be a, an awful lot of soap for some of those scenes to recreate. And um, we don't often see uh, divorced people as well as amicable divorced exes. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, I had a few as well. I thought... The fact that he admits some faults in his previous relationship was noteworthy. Mm-hmm. And that uh, for a mother-daughter relationship that seems really fraught at the beginning, it actually turns out to be incredibly supportive. That is a good point. In a way that we don't see a lot. Very true. Supporting shout out. I mean, I assume you have the same one I do. Because I assume you also said Bungie the dog. Yes, I did. (laughs) Bungie. Bungie's so great. I love Bungie. She's like a pit mix or something. Running around in the snow was the best Bungie. Yeah. She loves – she she had a little bit of a Doug vibe of like, I love you, squirrel. (laughs) Quite literally at one point, (laughs) squirrel. I did like how it was obvious that Bungie was not in the car with them while they were filming. <laughs> Just the way they cut that. Oh, they were, they were like, absolutely not. We can't have a dog. Like, I mean, I don't know if you've you've probably driven in a car with a larger dog before. No, all tiny dogs. All tiny dogs? Okay. Well, when whenever I drive in a car with a large dog, at some point the dog stands up from the back. And, like, looks over and is like, what's happening up here? Maybe I'll rest on your shoulder. Yeah, you know, they're I like, imagine. <laughs> they're like, just like, don't leave me back here by myself. I don't want to do that. Like, <laughs> that sounds like a tracks for sure. I did also want to do a side supporting shout out to Julian, um, Elliot's publicist, 
because just for that moment that he's so clueless where it's obvious that Elliot and Cassie want to spend time together and <laughs> Cassie's publicist is dragging Julian away and he's like, well, just tell us where you are later. And she's like, nope, Julian. He's like, let me know where you are. Pin your location. <laughs> <laughs> that that was, I, I, I enjoyed him. He was, he was funny. Though, again, another person. I'm not sure what he did. Maybe I should be a publicist <laughs> in publishing. That means all I saw is that they got to uh, take flights to nowhere, drink champagne, and I'll be on their phone the whole time. So that's what I yeah. saw. Yeah, that's what I saw too. That's the life, right? Because also, she was never given the option to fly and meet him. No. Like, I understood that he was going to drive, but like. Why did they have to drive together? I don't know. <laughs> that's just asking for it. You know, like. That's like matchmaker publicist people. Maybe yeah. they should drive together. Blah. It's either going to be a murder or a romance. So, for sure. Uh, kiss meter. <sighs> um. Okay. I gave it a five. Um. I said it is so thin-lipped. Uh, it didn't. It looked. It didn't look like they really wanted to be kissing each other at all. And I hate, hate, hate when and where and how it happened because he interrupts her book signing. They start to have a private conversation. It is minutes until the publicist says, maybe we should take a break. And I hate that they say that they are in love at that moment. That graded me so hard. It would have been so much more romantic if they had said, I really like you. I'm like, oh, yeah, not I am in love with you. I'm like, no, you're not. Sorry. You want a bone, and you like his dog. How about you, Hannah? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm right there with you. I Yay. also gave it a five. Yay! I thought, you know, I I felt like I couldn't even really judge the contact of the kiss itself because it was in front of people, and the declaration around it was so cringy. Yes. Um, and I found myself hiding from my own television on their behalf. <laughs> Like, yes. I was like, no. I don't, I don't like this. <laughs> complete complete agreement. <laughs> so Hannah, would you watch this movie? So when I first watched this movie, like when it aired, I thought it was super cute. I li- or I remember thinking it was super cute. But this time watching it. I think Cassie sucks. I don't like her at all. I don't know why he fell in love with her. I get why you would fall in love with Elliot. Mm-hmm. He's cute. He's sweet. He's a good guy. But like, she was so off-putting to me that I was like, I no, I just don't, I don't. I like actually got like upset about it to a to a degree. I, I I think that you're completely valid in being upset about it. And it's funny because in one on one end, I'm sure that it's not because of Jen Lilly. I think it's like written that way. But I also am not sure it's not Jen Lilly in some ways. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, while she serves her purpose and I think she's a fine actor, I feel like similar to how we've discussed like other people on this podcast, had she been a little bit more nuanced um, except for one scene that I thought she really killed um, that was really good. Uh, 
I just don't I, – I feel like I would have really bought into more of her um, – of the push pull of the fake confidence or versus self-deprecation. Like I feel like in different hands it could have been great. I really did love the scene between her and Becca where she comes back and Becca knows that she fell in love with him. Like I felt like, mm-hmm. oh, I my my heartstrings have been tugged. Um you did a good job here. But mostly you're right, Cassie sucks. And I thought it was cute too when I first watched it. And like a road trip movie and they're writers. And I felt inspired to write after this. And I haven't felt inspired to write since I, since this movie came out when I almost was graduating, going back to school, whatever. The fact of the matter is I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't hate it, but, and I'd probably watch it again. There are worst Hallmark movies out there. (laughs) There are, there are a lot worse movies out there, but it kind of there were parts that were boring. I mean, I, I really do like when they talk about real life stuff in these movies, but I think that they almost talked about real life stuff a little too long. Yeah. Oh, I, I completely understand what you're mean by that. Yeah. I this is not in the avoid category, but I can't in good conscience be like, watch it if you want to, even. Mm-hmm. Like I she's I, I just don't like her. Isn't it funny how much we've all changed since <laughs> January 2019? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. What an evolution we've all had <laughs> on so many different levels. Four years is a, is a long time. Yes. And four uh, of these specific years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. uh, well, so that's the winter love story for you. <laughs> Watch it or don't. <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> but have your hot chocolate and wine handy. <laughs> yeah. Or spike that hot chocolate. So, yeah. Something. Um, but thank you for coming on this road trip journey with us. Um, as always, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. One kiss means forever, where the one and the four are numerals. Uh, we try our best to live tweet premieres, no promises, but you know, we give, we do our best. Um, and if you want to share your map of the uh, Northeast corridor to see how, where they have traveled in this movie with, you know, share that map with us uh, over email at one kiss means forever at gmail.com. And that's all spelled out like it is on your, on our logo. And um, make sure that you rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice and thank you to Flint's Pastures for our intro-outro music. His stuff's on Apple Music, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And we'll see you next time. See you next time. 